0: nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These are their roles in sustainable weight management. So I scoured the globe of top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, welcome to another Q&A episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. Of course, I'm your host, master trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. Now, I promised last month that going forward, the plan is to have one Q&A episode a month. I almost at a week there for a second. Because I get a lot of DMs. Um, I, or from, even from the groups that I, that I counsel, I get a lot of questions. Or people stop me in the street and ask me questions about weight loss and health. And what I've come to realize over the years is that a lot of these questions are basically the same. Some of them may be tweaked a little bit. But generally speaking, a lot of people expect. Brett, actually ex, experience the same things. I apologize. I saw a typo in my script there and I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. But a lot of people experience the same issues. So the idea of this Q&A is for you to hear your question answered and also listen to see if it's possible that you're experiencing the same issues and these things can help you. Now, feel free to, again, DM me on my Instagram at Zico Health. Um, you can... um. You can send in a question to the uh, com- uh, the, the podcast itself in Apple. Um, and you leave in a comment, you leave a question there in the comment. You can email me, narado at zicohealth.com. I've, however you want me to get your questions. You see me in the street and you, you see me working out. Hopefully not when I'm in the middle of a set or something, but <laughs> you want to ask a question, feel free to do so. I won't disclose any of your information, who you are, unless you say I should. But for privacy reasons, I will keep it private because you know we live in a day and age of privacy. let's, let's be honest, right? So but this Q A is designed to help you and anyone that's within uh, an earshot, so they can see that you know what? other people are going through what I'm going through, and we can work together and I can listen to what they're going through and pill, maybe even pull from what they're going through, or they can hear what I'm going through and pull from what I'm from what I, and pull from that as well. So with that being said, let's begin the Q&A. The first question is, um, I have been on a low carb diet for a while, but I have been on a plateau and it seems I'm not burning carbs well. How do I reintroduce carbs into my diet? Well, this one gets a little tricky, but it's not as bad. It's actually more common than you may think. Now, I've had shorts on metabolic flexibility or metabolic flexibility versus keto, high-fat diets, and so on and so forth. What tends to happen is that when you eat less of a particular macro, your body will down-regulate its ability to burn those efficiently. It will actually create less enzymes to burn them efficiently because our bodies are very, in a way, lazy, It doesn't like to do anything that's unnecessary. So if you are not feeding it a particular macro, even if it's fat, eventually your body will become better or become worse, I should say, at burning that particular macro. Now, when that happens, you will more likely store that, right? So let's answer this particular question. We're talking about carbs. If you've been on a low-carb diet for a while, I would then assume that you've been at least on a high-protein, high-fat diet. You have to eat something. And the, the, the person here didn't say keto, but I can see I'm thinking going along the lines of keto, or if not, really close to it. Now, again, our bodies will upregulate the its ability to burn fat while down regulates its ability to burn carbs. It sounds great in the beginning because you can lose a lot of weight because in the beginning, your body was probably never good at burning fat. So now it's like it's developed that ability, which is amazing, right? However, with re, when, in the in the thought of reintroducing carbs into your diet, then I recommend carb cycling. And the reason why I recommend carb cycling, and I think I have a short on that as well, but the reason why I recommend carb cycling. Is that for this person, it seems their body is not as good at burning fat, which, of course, what we, we basically establish, but needs to improve its ability to burn carbs or hence, or I should say, well, I should even say hence, but then it more likely will storm, right? So I recommend carb cycling. It's the best time to eat carbs before an intense workout, because your body can use it best, and a couple of hours before bed to feed your brain the glucose it needs. Now, why do I say that? I have a short on that as well on carb cycling, I believe. So listen to one of those weekend shorts. But just to quickly here explain, before an intense workout, your body will more likely use the carbs the, um, that you're eating. So let's say an hour before to carb up for your workout. Athletes do it all the time. I mean, we eat a lot more carbs in the general public, usually, unless we're a keto athlete. But um, we, you, know, you carb up before your meal. If you're going to eat simple carbs, which I do not recommend, but the best time will be before an intense workout, your body will be able to use it almost instantaneously. Right now before bed, because your brain, of course, again, if, unless you're on keto, you're, oh, I'm sorry about that. Our brain is going to use preferred glucose for, uh, for energy for use. Right. So if if you're, unless you're on keto, you're going to need glucose. If you rob your brain of the glucose it needs, it's going to impede, it's going to impede your sleep quality. I have actually written about that on my article um, on how to get quality sleep on ZikaHealth.com. You can check that out. And it's also in my short on how to get quality sleep as well. We know for sure that our brain loves to run on glucose unless you're on a ketogenic diet. Now, why is this important to know? Because that's the other time you need to feed yourself. Some carbs. Now, there's a couple of things to that. One, don't go crazy and eat popcorn and fries at night. That's gonna work. You no, know, that's not what I mean. You may put yourself in a, I guess, what they call it, a carb coma, but you may not necessarily be accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. However, if you eat, um, if you eat a complete meal and I have a short on a complete meal, so go ahead and check that out as well. Cause that's very important to understand. Because a complete meal, and then you can wait about an hour or so and eat your carbs. Can be extremely beneficial, especially if it's complex carbs. And another trick to that is to have an apple cider vinegar, um, with with uh with your meal, or maybe even before your meal, because that's that's very that can be very helpful in keeping your blood sugar steady. To be honest, is some good apple cider vinegar, which I'm gonna have a short on how to recognize good apple cider vinegar as well, because there's some things to look out for because of these commercialized crap that they sell doesn't really do you. Doesn't really do you much good if I'm being really honest, right? Which you'd hope I would. I am being honest. <laughs> but seriously, um, before a workout, especially an intense workout or before a bed, with probably an hour or two before bed, um, is not really going to interrupt your sleep. It's actually going to help you to sleep better. Protein and fats a little trickier. You want to eat those earlier because your body's gonna have a, you don't wanna bog down your body with with digestion is going to bed. And because our bodies have a hard time breaking those down, essentially it's it's gonna, your digestion is gonna continue into you trying to sleep well, which is gonna cause an issue. So you wanna be very mindful of not eating protein and fats, even if it's four or five hours before bed. However, carbs, I generally find you can do an hour or two before bed. And you should be more than fine. But something, that's something for you to play with and to understand. But for, for in this particular question, though, those are two things I say to look at because then you can reintroduce carbs into your diet when your body can use it best and it will more likely use it and store it. Stay away from simple carbs, eat carbs on a glycemic index, stay away from unprocessed crap. You know, I talk about that all the time. And those are the things that are going to help. And eventually your body will start to uptake its ability to burn, to burn carbs as well, creating more amylase and other um, carb burning enzymes. Now, next question. Why do women tend to crave more carbs on their periods? Well, then, I was surprised this one was asked by me. I think it was one of the groups that I mentored that this question came out of. Again, I don't divulge names, right? I don't to usually remember where the questions come from, but yeah, it is true. Some women do crave carbs the first week of their cycle where they're more estrogen dominant, while other women would crave them um, the week prior to where they're, um, they, they have uh, low progesterone, right? Um, there are usually more sugar cravings as well with thyroid imbalances. I just saw another typo here and I just want to make sure I correct that because for the show notes, apologize. Now, if this sounds like it applies to you, it's a good idea to talk to an integrative or functional medicine doctor to figure out what else might be going on or to get a more personalized dietary and lifestyle plan to combat these cravings and get your hormones back in balance, even a a dietician, a registered dietician. And this is important because I can only say so much over a podcast, and by the way, before making any dietary changes, please consult a dietary or medical professional, but I can only give you tips over a podcast, but in a lot of cases, you need to talk to an actual uh, medical or dietary expert, especially if you have underlying health issues. Just be mindful of that, and not just with me, with anyone that gives you advice, especially with all the crap we get on Instagram and TikTok and even YouTube or wherever, you know, people claim that they're experts who really don't have any certifications to, to back up the fact that they're experts, but that's a different story within itself. But yeah, in general, before I get into the tips, once want to speak to an integrative or functional medicine doctor or even a licensed or that registered dietitian because they can even look at your blood work and see what's going on there. Now, however, generally speaking, you have much more carb tolerance AKA insulin sensitivity in the first half of your cycle. This is called the follicular phase or day zero to 14. It means that estrogen, or it seems I should say from what, from, from the doctors I've spoken to and explained this to me, that estrogen keeps away insulin resistance, healthy or unhealthy carbs are just better tolerated. Then even with that though, I recommend eating more healthy carbs. You know how I had to say that healthy, unprocessed, complex carbs, Especially with a complete meal, which I'm gonna have a short on what that's supposed to look like, but um, that's gonna be more beneficial for you because it could keep your blood sugar steady as well. Especially if your goal is weight loss, um, apple cider vinegar again is a very is is a very good tool to use, especially with in carbs before bed. Oh, by a backtrack on the carbs before bed thing, I don't think I mentioned this, but honey with apple cider vinegar is a really good. Um, what's another one? Uh, blueberries, uh, blackberries, with some ACV, apple cider vinegar can also be beneficial as well and also help you sleep because you're steadily feeding your brain what it needs and less likely spiking your blood sugar, which is uh, as the more you can keep your blood sugar steady, especially on your health and weight, weight loss journey, or even just weight management in general, not just weight loss, the more beneficial you're going to be. So stay Sim, simple sugars um, will cause unnecessary blood spikes. So try to stay away from those in general, not just if you're in your period, but in general, just make those changes. Uh, but for this particular question, I do recommend that you do listen to that short from last month on a nutrition hack to keep your blood sugar steady, because I go into further details with that. But essentially, regardless of the reason it's happened, unless you have an underlying health issue, you should be able to be fine with following those tips. But if you need further help, you want to talk to a medical um, or dietary professional to kind of help you to see further what's going on, especially if you have thyroid issues. And I've had experts on um, um, thyroid experts on the show, I think even last month as well, you can reach out to one of those specialists. Now, question three, do you think a body could be holding on to fat burning, um, Uh, I'm sorry, the question says, let me read that again. Do you think a body could be holding the fat burning stage off if they're sipping a carb based beverage over several hours? Say 16 ounces over two to three hours, even though it's not a large amount and you have allocated for it. So basically, they're saying that throughout the day, they've allocated for it in their macros. Could this slow down constant drinking? Could this slow, constant drinking be my downfall? It's a very strong word, right? How long do you give yourself to drink a beverage that has carbs? That was basically the question to me. Now, this issue, the issue here is not carbs versus fat, but the lack of fiber. And I talked about that. Um, I always talk about that when it comes to keeping a blood sugar steady, because it's tied into that as well. You see, to promote fat burn, you need to keep your blood sugar steady. Now, this is what happens. When your blood sugar picks up consistently, other than all the other side effects we talk about for your health, it's going to, you're promoting a sugar metabolism. You're burning glucose, burning glucose, burning glucose. Your body's not going to get to the fat. It needs to be able to burn fat, including its own body fat, right? But even before it burns your body fat, it needs to burn the fat that you eat too. So but if you're constantly picking up your blood sugar, it's going to use what it prefers, which is glucose, and probably going to make you more hungry. The more sugars you eat um, and drink is going to make you more hungry because it's going to burn it and want more because you're training your metabolism to stay a sugar-based metabolism, and then more likely storing the fat because it's going to start to downregulate this ability to burn fat, so more likely storing the fat that you eat, right? And then definitely not getting to your body fat, and you're like, well, I'm eating under my calories. Why am I not losing weight? Because you're, you're prioritizing a uh, carb-sugar-based metabolism. So this steady dose of glucose is not doing you any favors. In fact, for anyone who's trying to lose weight and might trying better better on the health journey period, I say stay away from juices. Now, I'm not against juicing. I want to be clear here. I'm not against juicers or juicing. That's not an issue for me. However, if you're trying to lose weight, you if you are going to juice, you want to do, you want to juice with more vegetables and and uh because you want, you want to juice it more, uh, I, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but you want to juice it more vegetables and less fruit, right? High, you really want to make sure that you limit it because even though it is natural and healthier for you than the processed crap, like the orange juices and even the VAs and all that nasty stuff, even though it's better for you, it's still sugar. And sugar is not necessarily bad in its natural form, except unless you're an athlete who's going to burn it or you're a child who's going to burn it, you're going to be, you're going to more likely store it. So I don't want you to get in the mindset of This is good. And that's bad. I want you to think of what may be better for you in your particular situation. So to answer that question, if I didn't, it's just is yes, the constant sipping of juice is holding you back or carb based beverage, I could say, is causing an issue. I definitely agree that that would be the case. Um, and if you want to have if you absolutely have to have your carb-based beverage, try to limit it as much as you possibly can. Some things we can't stay away from, and I get it. Some things we just love, and I get it. But try to limit this as much as you can. But if you can just get out your diet, period, go ahead and do that, especially if you have a lot of weight to lose. Now, the question four, and I believe this one is going past five. Just let everybody know. I think it's seven or eight questions. Actually, i going to have to save some questions for uh, next month because I got a little overloaded here. But here's question four. It says, uh, what oils are better for our health? I posted on Instagram on habits to improve the health of our gut. And someone asked me this question under that post, I believe, um, because in the post, I stated to avoid um, inflammatory cooking oils. These would be seed oils, like vegetables, oils, sunflower, corn, and sesame oils. Someone said on, I believe it was a podcast, actually, and the doctor, I think it was a doctor or he was a a specialist in different kinds of oils. And he mentioned that you take the food and drop it on the ground. If you step on it and and it, I apologize for that sneeze, everyone, if anybody heard that. But, you know, I guess I am human after all, right? But he said that if you can drop the food on the ground and step on it and it creates oil, then it should, that means that it's it's an, it's natural, it's good, it's what it's supposed to do. But when we're talking about seed oils, where they have to actually try to, and I believe want to say extract it, I don't know exactly how the, what, how the procedure work, I'm not going to pretend that I do, but the oil is not as easily taken out where they ha- we have to go through the human process to take those oils out um or to create the oil then those are the oils that are bad for us so stay away from seed oils altogether that's basically my point here i'm not an expert on oils but um i was trying to give an analogy how he explains it eat avocado oil olive oil um, coconut oil those are my three favorite avocado olive coconut oil and they each have different benefits coconut oil is uh, is great to is really great too because it has medium chain triglycerides Especially if you're on a keto diet, right, so coconut oil is a great option as well and and tastes really really good to be honest um but I think the all three of them taste good, and I use them at different phases of my diet um throughout the i usually basically i say most days eat at least two of those oils but the eating the the good oils and stay away from the bad and this is one of the few times I'm gonna use good or bad because seed oils are terrible no matter where you look at it, but sticking to the good oils. Is not enough. It's really staying away from the bad oils is what you really need to do because you don't want to create that chronic inflammation. Um, the seed oils also, which are high in PUFAs, right, polyunsaturated fatty acids, which again causes inflammation and uh, toxic accumulation in the body. So, you know, you want to stay on top of you want to stay on top of that. Um, on top of that, oh, by the way. Um, These oils, and I just realized I have it in my notes, when exposed to high heat or reheated multiple times can turn toxic and cause greater harm to the body, to the human body. So even more toxic than they actually are. So you want to just be careful about that. Um, The one thing I'm going to say about avocado and olive oil, I'll kind of draw a blank there because I write a script for how I'm going to answer the questions and then I kind of do my own thing because I march to beat up my own drum. So <laughs> hope it doesn't sound like I'm all over the place. But I have a thought there is that avocado oil is not a high heat oil. So just be uh, just be mindful of that as well. So with us cooking, cooking, I'm more of a coconut oil guy. But when we're talking about sauteing, then um, olive oil will be more of my style. Um, avocado oil also has a um actually it does better in high heat than than olive oil as well so you want to keep in mind about that as well so so again avocado olive coconut oil and olive oil is not really much a high heat oil um it can break down very easily so I don't want to think about that as well you may not be getting the benefits that you should be getting using it as a high heat oil now question 5 I really love this one. It's about my good friend keto diet. Everybody knows that I cycle keto, right? So it says, I tried keto for a year, but lost 10 pounds. I only ate what was allowed. I tried to balance carbs, protein, and fats, but never figured it out. It seems to be stressful. And then the question is, what are your thoughts? Well, then, my are here is not going to be too popular among the carnivore or keto community or even some people that I've interviewed. I do cycle keto, but I don't think there's a one way solution for everyone. Right. Um, I am not a fan of always being in ketosis. In fact, I don't believe humans are built that way. Humans are born with more with the more the most amylase any other mammals on the planet. If you uh, listen to Rob Wolf who's a brilliant microchemist and he breaks that down and he talks about that amylase are enzymes to break down carbs period. If we are always supposed to be in a state of ketosis and why is that? So, so that's the biological piece that made me think we're not designed to be that way. Now we do know the benefits of the keto diet. We do know that you can create less free radicals and, um, Catherine Arnston, the, the CEO of Energy Bits talked about that as well. Um, that episode was released uh, about three weeks ago about the ketogenic diet and uh, along with fasting, which if you're gonna be in a keto diet, you probably gonna need to fast anyway. And I recommend both. Um, would be, uh, can, it's, are ways to create less free radicals, less inflammation and the pathway that they use are lower inflammation pathway as well. The fats uses lower inflammation pathway versus carbs, I should say. So, there are benefits to the keto diet or following a keto way of eating. I'm just not a fan of it all the time. Now, there are also things to consider, like you, where you live, right, Your geographic location, how 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 you train, you know, how you work out, and ancestral background. For example, when I had uh, who did I have on here that was talking about uh, the keto diet? And uh, Sarah I probably got her name wrong, but and she listens to this episode, she's gonna come after. She's gonna come after me, but never seem to get that name right. But she's very brilliant, and she mentioned that for athletes, if you're gonna to transition to a keto way of living, you want to do it in the off season because it takes about three months for your performance to get back to where it was when you're on a carb-based diet, right? So how you train is important, and if you're gonna transition to a keto way of eating then you want to also keep that in mind as well. So keto is not a bad diet. And I again, I think it can be very helpful. But the issue, and just another reason why I'm not a fan of being in ketosis all the time, is that your body will downregulate its ability to burn carbs efficiently. And I mentioned that earlier in the show, right? Um, so twice a year, I go on a keto diet for about a month to train my body to run off fat and just fat. And usually those times, um, is usually when I'm not, doing a lot of um so he's not in the, usually in the hot months especially ancestrally speaking we ate more fat and protein in colder months anyway because it just wasn't available especially when we were hunter gatherers right so it may look i'm, I'm finding um I, I don't know why i'm saying um that much um, today but I seem to be finding typos as I go along, so I apologize when I just pause for a second, also to catch my breath. Now, it may look different for everyone, but for me, a month is enough to train my body to break down fats efficiently, while maintaining my ability to burn carbs efficiently as well. And I want to stop here and, and say this really: metabolic flexibility. This is why I preach metabolic flexibility. See, having the ability to switch between fats and carbs efficiently is better long-term solution. And unless you plan to be in ketosis for the rest of your life, it is a better solution. So I'm not going to completely disagree with my carnivore or or keto friends, right? But I'm saying that if you decide to live that lifestyle, live that lifestyle. Don't get on keto or carnivore diet as a temporary thing to say, okay, I'm just going to do this until I get better. No, that's not going to work because you're going to down regulate your your body's ability to burn carbs efficiently, even though you're going to be super good at burning fat. So you start eating carbs again, you blow up just like the one, I think was question two or three I had today, right? So check out Lumen. If you're not interested in being in a keto diet, I recommend this to everyone. It's a fantastic product. It reads your metabolism and based off your sugar or carb burner. Their nutritionists give you nutrition guidelines to follow. Right now, as you follow the nutrition plan, your metabolism will learn to break down fats and carbs more efficiently, making your metabolism more flexible. It's actually crazy because I've never seen this many typos in the script as I'm kind of reading over it, even though I don't necessarily follow it. I just want to make sure that the spelling is correct. So sometimes I'll stop and I'll stop for a second, but Lumen is a fantastic product. The Lumen is, their website is lumen.me, and you can use code Zico Health. Uh, I forget, actually they get $50 off. I've been with them for a while. I've helped them for a while. I counsel people in their groups as well to help them to be at the best version they can be at far or set them up for success and continued success. So they actually increase my code to give you $50 off. So go to lumen.me and use code Zico Health for $50 off their, their services. Now, question six, do you know the connection between hypothyroidism? (laughs) Can't believe I must be getting tired, right? I need to have someone else read the questions and I should read the answers. But do you know the connection between hypothyroidism and asthma? Now, I'm going to say I don't freaking know. (laughs) To be honest, I'm not a medical expert, so please don't confuse anything I say. As medical advice, I do have some experience here, and I'm gonna let you know where my experience is and what I what I do have some information about, but I'm not an expert. So don't take hold hold don't hold me to my word on what I'm about to say. But hypothyroidism and asthma are a result of autoimmunity. We know that I don't need a degree um, to know that. I know that for sure. Excerpts tell us that when we have an autoimmune disease we're more likely to develop another. And I've had ex, um, experts on my show that's explained that. So in the end, um, Nicole Fujiyama, by the way, Dr. Nicole Fujiyama, I think her episode was November or December of last year when she broke that down and she talked about if you have one autoimmune disease, you're more likely to have another, right? So that's part of the connection there. So in the end, improving the health of your gut, whether whether that's through quality sleep, eating pre and probiotic foods can be very helpful. By the way, Apple cider vinegar can be great probiotics as well. So I want you to keep that in mind too. It's, not, it's also good for, it can be really good for your gut as well. So, um, so if you have, if you, you can listen to one of my episodes that I have with gut health or hypothyroidism experts to learn a lot more on the topic, but essentially if you have one, you may have others. Or oh, you're more likely to have a second or a third. So you have one autoimmune um, disease, you may you're more likely to have a second or a third. So I just want to make sure I repeat that to explain it correctly. So improving the health of your gut, lowering inflammation, lowering oxidative stress. So by the way, keto a keto diet can be beneficial in doing so especially when we're talking about cycling a keto diet if you're not going on a keto lifestyle which again is more my style and you can work with a medical expert to help you with that as well because you want to be careful if you have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and if you don't have enough en- um, enzymes to efficiently break down fats you don't want to jump into a keto diet so you want to talk to a medical professional before you make that transition but healing your gut can be very beneficial and with healing your gut it's not. It's more about what you take out of your diet than what you put into your diet. So I want you to keep that in mind as well. So that's where, that's really what I know as far as the connection there. And I can't go any further because I, I'm not a medical expert and I don't want to misconstrue things here, but I want you to be aware of the connection, which is poor gut health, Intestinal permeability, aka leaky gut, and so on and so forth. By the way, you know that I reversed my asthma by healing my gut. I've been off my medication for over three years, so goes to show. From experience, I can tell you where that connection is. But I've never had hypothyroidism. But again, we know that hypothyroidism is uh is 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 also caused by poor gut health, chronic inflammation, so on so forth, or just goes straight to say autoimmunity more likely leaky gut. Now question seven, I think this is the last one. Yeah, question seven is the last one. It says, I believe mental health has a larger impact on your gut than gut on, your, on, on our mental health. What are your thoughts? I remember this question because I was giving a talk on wisdom. And by the way, if you haven't downloaded wisdom, I give talks on there once a month, once a week. I'm sorry, usually on Sundays, live talks. You can come in, ask questions, so on and so forth, or you can just listen to my talks. People ask questions on there as well. And someone chimed in, and he was from, he was, um, I don't know what country he was from, but I know he's from from, um, I want to say, an Asian country, right? Don't want to sound like a racist here. By the way, I'm part Indian. I'm some, I'm also part Asian. I'm, I'm pretty much a mutt, but. Really, seriously, in his culture, they teach mind over matter. And I said to him, I don't have an issue with that as much, Um, but we have enough science to know that matter impacts the mind. And mind doesn't impact the matter, not saying it doesn't, but we know that you can't will your way to good health. We know that you need to feed your body what it needs so you become healthy not sit here and just hope that you're healthy or will your way to health. Now, if you lack motivation, that's a different situation, right? If you lack motivation, then, you know, being around the right people, lifting your energy, those things can be very beneficial, can be very, and yes, having a positive mindset can be very good for your health. In fact, I remember who I had on the show that mentioned that when they look at people who live longer and those who don't, they realize that the, their mindset is what really makes that difference. So it's a double-edged sword. However, the Catching Point written by uh, Dr. David Prologo, fantastic book, by the way, breaks down the matter of mind because he talks about as you start to make incremental changes, your body will adjust. You just have to listen and follow it. And listen again, I don't say it again, as your body, as you start to make incremental changes, you start to feel better, your body will give you signs, you got to listen to it and adjust. That's how I've gotten to where I am with my asthma and uh, my eczema, my angio levels, my blood pressure is normal. I'm, 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 I'm mentally able to function at a level I've never been able to when I'm about to hit 40 this year, it's because I've made incremental changes and listen to my body. So let me give you some examples, right? So if you are constantly stressed, and this may sound like a mind thing, but do you think about it? If you're constantly stressed, that leads to oxidative stress inflammation in our gut. Now you you can say, well, your mind is causing you to be stressed, but really think about it, you're physically stressed. So that physical stress is impacting your gut. And as that impacts your gut, then your, your neurotransmitters don't function as well, your hormones don't function as well, your sleep qualities off. You um you crave, you start to crave more foods that you didn't crave before, especially sugars and carb-based foods, or your your um diet may a shut down, depending on the kind of person that you are, right? So a lot of times people who are stressed become anemic, for example, so or anorexic as well. So you want to think. That's one way. That's why when we talk about in the health space, when we talk about um, re- reducing stress, it's a real thing. It's not made up. The next thing is uh, most of our serotonin or feel good neurotransmitter is created in our gut. I put in the show notes here numerous transmitters. So let's go ahead and take care of that. Neurotransmitter is created in our gut, right? I think it's up to 95%, is what I believe is created in our gut. So again, that's why most health prescription, mental health prescriptions are designed to increase serotonin, or even in some cases, dopamine, right? So the research tells us that improving the health of our gut can naturally increase serotonin production. This is why, it, yeah, you gotta look at it from both sides, but we know that even if you want to do well, if you don't start taking care of your gut, you're going to make it way harder and more likely give up. You have to make those incremental changes and as you start feeling better, listen to your body and follow through. And there it is, fam. These are the second seven questions that I have for today. If you have any of these issues or you just you learn from this, um, I, um, subscribe to the show. You can leave a comment, let the world know that this show is awesome. You can also, again, email me, Narado at ZicoHealth.com or DM me on Instagram at uh, ZicoHealth. Again, if you, or if you just see me in the streets and I have a question, I will release a QA and every, a um, every month. And the show notes of this one is going to be ZicoHealth.com slash q q 2 And I'm going to keep it going. So then, so the third one is going to be ZicoHealth.com slash QA3 and so on and so forth, just to keep it simple. And with that being said, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.